Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We're going to begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We've been talking about being in agreement with God. We've been, uh, we've been talking about how to, to uh, walk in the way that He has for us. We're going to have to be led by Him. He said in Isaiah 48, he said, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. He said, I am the Lord your God who leads you by the way that you should go. And we want to go in that way, so we have to follow his leading. We want to profit in his way, so we have to have his teaching. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we're going to read just verses 1 and 2. And it's going to allow us some wisdom for us to walk in the path that God has for us as a church family. It says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. And the Lord is directing me specifically to this time that is for sowing and a time that is for reaping. He says there is a season and a time for every purpose. And he says there's a season, a time for sowing and a time for planting. And it's for the purpose. It's a time for the purpose. So this sowing and reaping is privilege, a privilege that God placed in the blessing. When God pronounced the blessing in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let them have dominion. And then in the very next verse, he said, and let's give them herb-bearing seed. That will produce after its kind. No other created being, not even angels, have the authority of a seed. The way mankind has the authority to sow and to reap. And so in the blessing, God has given us this system. And he has designed this system to be for our purpose. The purpose that he has designed us for. Isaiah 28, we looked at this last Sunday night, but it has so much in it that I need to look at it again as we are identifying this season and this time, because we don't want to miss our season. You know what? The book of Proverbs talks about that foolish son who didn't harvest when it was harvest time. You know, if you miss the harvest time, the, the, the food will go bad in the field. And so there's a a time, and God's telling us to recognize the time, to be wise, to recognize the season. Isaiah in 28, 23 begins to talk to us about how God teaches us 
where seed time and harvest is concerned. He said in verse 23 of chapter 28, Give ye ear and hear my voice. Hearken and hear my speech. So pay attention to this. This is important. Don't let this instruction pass you by. Don't let this revelation be missed. He says, give ear to it. Hear it. Hearken. Hear it. Does Now he's going to ask us some question. Does the plowman plow all day to sow? Does he open up and break the clods of his ground? When he has made plain the face thereof, does he not cast abroad the fitches and scatter the cumin and cast in the principal wheat and the appointed barley and the rye in their place? If you'll give me the amplified, I think it might help some of us see this, the emphasis of what God is saying in these questions that he's asking. Going back to 24 in the amplified. Does he who plows for sowing plow continually is that all that the farmer does is plow no that's only a step that's only one step in the process so he doesn't continually plow he's going to plow and when the plowing is done there's a next step there's there's a next action a a, a following a subsequent action that needs to take place Does he continue to plow and harrow the ground after it is smooth? Verse 25. When he has leveled its surface, does he not cast abroad the seed of dill or fennel and scatter cumin and seasoning or a seasoning and put wheat in rows and barley in its there's an intended place for the barley? So do you see he's saying he's just not randomly throwing fennel here and cumin here and wheat here and barley here has has now i'm not that great of a farmer but i'm gonna i'm gonna just look right over here at the hawkins because they're my help they're my help if i were to take my jalapenos and grow them right next to my green peppers what's going to happen to my green peppers my green peppers are going to get too hot to eat they're going to be as, I might as well just put them in the salsa instead of the jalapenos because if I grow them next to each other, it's, they're going to affect, the jalapeno is going to affect the green peppers. Amen? So do you see there's a wisdom in the sowing that we need to know so that we get the purpose that's the way it's intended to be? He's, so go back to verse 25. So there's, there's a certain row for the wheat, and then there's a, an intended place that you put the barley, and then you take the spelt, which is an inferior kind of wheat, and you put it on the outskirt of the field. So he was saying there is a, a special way to sow the seed. And how did that farmer come up with all that? How did that farmer learn how to properly plant the ground, sow the seed in a way that is going to cause each one of the different types of seed to have their optimal result or optimal harvest. Verse 26 tells us God instructs him. God is the one who gave the wisdom. The Lord told 
Keith Moore, I'm helping you more than you know. Do you ever hear him tell that story? He said, the Lord kept telling me, I help you more than you know. And he said, I don't recommend anybody ever doing this. This is not doctrine. This is my, his experience. He said, I asked the Lord, Lord, show me how much of what I do is you and how much of what I do is me. He said the next day, he couldn't put the chords together to play the songs for healing school. He couldn't put the scriptures together. He said, I sat there for a week and a half in my, in my office and had to have somebody else run healing school, something that I could get up and do with no preparation, sing the songs without looking at any music, put the scriptures together without any notes. But when that, he said, when that, that grace lifted for that time, I recognized it was all him and it wasn't me at all. <laughs> It wasn't me. God was saying, I'm helping you more than you know. Hallelujah. What this farmer figured out didn't come just because he was so smart in his natural intellect, in his natural understanding. God instructs us. It says God instructed him unto discretion and does teach him. God's word translation says God will guide him in judgment and his God will teach him. The Amplified Bible says for his God instructs him correctly and teaches him. And that's what God's been telling us from Isaiah 48. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. He wants to teach us his ways. He says my ways are higher than your ways. And I want you to walk in my ways. So let me teach you. And instead of you living the low life, you can come up here with me and live the high life. You can take the highway instead of the hard road. He says, my ways are higher than your ways. Take the highway. And that's what we want. He says, God does instruct him. And teach him. 27. And, and we'll just go back to the Amplified for 27. For dill is not threshed with a sharp threshing instrument. Nor is a cartwheel rolled over cumin. But dill is beaten off with a staff and cumin with a rod by hand. So he, what he's saying is there's a different way to do different things. You can't just do everything the same way. You cannot use the butter knife to fix everything in the house. I know you could try to turn that butter knife in and use it like a hammer, but it's not as effective as a hammer. You can turn it around and use that, that thin end of the butter knife, and you can try to use it as a screwdriver. But it's not going to work as effectively as if you have a screwdriver, especially if you're trying to hang curtains. How do I know? <laughs> Butter knives are not good for hanging curtains. Hallelujah. God says there are ways and specific ways that things need to be done, and I want to teach you those ways. Verse 28. Does one crush bread grain? No, he does not. Thresh it continuously. But when he has driven his cartwheel and his horses 
over it, he scatters it, tossing it up to the wind without having crushed it. Verse 29, this also comes from the Lord of hosts, this wisdom, this precise, exact wisdom comes from God who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom and effectual working. What God's teaching you is going to be effective. What he's teaching us, what he tells us to do, it's going to be the most effective way to do it. It may not be the way that great-grandma did it. You've heard the story, perhaps, of the woman who had the ham, and every year she cut the M off the ham. I see, I see the head shaking. You've heard the story. Every year... She would get her ham and she would cut the end off her ham. And finally her husband said, why do you cut the end off of the ham? And she said, because my mama always cut the end off the ham. And he said, let's call mama and ask mama why did she cut the end off the ham? They called mama and mama said, I cut the end off my ham because my mama always cut the end. Well, let's call mama." And let's find out from Mamaw why we're cutting the end off the ham. And they called Mamaw, and Mamaw said, Honey, I cut the end off my ham because my pan is too short. So we've got generations of people doing something for a reason that's not applicable to them, it's not relevant to their situation. What God's telling us. And what he instructs us to do, it's going to be the most effective for the situation that we're dealing with. And he's going to tell us how we need to deal with this part of our finances and how to deal with this part of raising our children and how to deal with this area of our life and how to adjust this area in our marriage. He'll tell us all of these specific areas and every piece of that wisdom is going to be effectual. It will be effective in our life. Genesis 26. Genesis 26. And I want to look at verse 5. Genesis 26. God's talking to Isaac. And he's telling Isaac. Isaac is in a place where famine is affecting everybody around him. And he is about to make a decision. And his decision is, should I stay here or should I go down to Egypt to escape the famine that's where I am? And God is telling him not to do that. But I want to look at verse 5 first. I want to look at verse 5 because... I want you to see why Isaac is even having this conversation and this wisdom with God. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, that's why I'm going to bless you. The reason that this blessing was still available to pass down to Isaac, this wisdom this ability to ask God and get God's input and advice and counsel and guidance 
was because of the obedience of Abraham. If Abraham had refused to obey God, they would not be having this conversation. Now back up and look at what now he's giving Isaac an instruction that requires obedience. Sojourn in... Now, was, wait. Was the instruction to Abraham, was it reasonable to the natural mind? Offer your son Isaac. Your, and God called him your only son. The Bible it, it didn't recognize Ishmael as an option to be put on the altar. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and offer him to me. Was that reasonable to the natural mind? I mean, how many of you, when you first got saved, did you think that's a little bit weird? I did. I thought, Lord, that's weird. When I understood covenant, when I came to understand the blood covenant, God never wanted Isaac to die. He wanted Abraham to be willing to offer him. So that as a covenant partner, God could willingly offer his son and raise him from the dead. Because Abraham decided, if God has to raise Isaac from the dead, he told me my lineage is coming from him. So I have to come back down from this mountain with him. I will not be burying him up there on the mountain after I offer him. If God's asking me to offer him, then he's got to raise him up because God promised me, so shall my seed be through Isaac. So the, the, the obedience, the obedience was faith. Faith is what drove or motivated or produced that obedience. Faith that what God said is so true that God would raise Isaac from the dead if he had to. And that same faith gave God the legal right to raise Jesus from the dead legal right the devil has no argument against it because it was a legal covenant action between two covenant parties Abraham and God amen so now he needs Isaac to also act on an instruction so that he can also participate in the blessing because the blessing you remember Deuteronomy if you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all these things that I'm commanding, then all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. So there's an activation, and obedience is the activation. And so he says, sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. So he's telling him, you stay here. Don't go to Egypt. Don't go to Egypt. You stay here and I will bless you. So Isaac obeyed him. And just like Abraham obeyed God and received the blessing, Isaac obeyed the instruction that was irrational in the natural mind. But spiritually, since I know it came from God, since I know it came from God, it's going to be effectual for me. And he obeyed God. And let's look what happened in 12 of the same chapter. Since I'm going to stay here, I might as well get busy. Right? 
I'm not going to sit here and twiddle my thumbs. If God told me to stay here and he'll bless me, then let's get the seed out, plow the ground. We're sowing. Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year during a famine. You know what famine means? There's no rain. The reason there's a famine is because there hasn't been rain for a long time. So people are hungry because their crops didn't grow for however many seasons until now the food has run out that they did have stored up. But Isaac sowed in the famine. Isaac sowed, and because God said, I will bless you and be with you, he received a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him, and the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. The Message Bible says the man got richer and richer by the day until he was very wealthy. The Amplified says the man became great and gained more and more until he became wealthy and distinguished. Not extinguished. Distinguished. You ever had somebody tell you, you look so extinguished today? The blessing did that, but the obedience to the... That would not have happened if he went to Egypt. If he had not stayed and sowed, he would not have experienced that result. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, follow the step. Follow the step. Okay, 2 Kings. I'm on a mission today. 2 Kings 3. In 2 Kings, we find out that there are a group of kings who have gathered together. They have united and they brought their armies out to fight in a battle. But at this point, they, are, they did not bring enough supply and they're too far away from any water supply to get back to it without all of their animals and their people dying. From thirst. Let's pick this up in 2 Kings uh, 3 9. So the king of Israel went, and the king of Judah, and the king of Edom, and they fetched a compass of seven days' journey, and there was no water for the host and for the cattle that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, now Jehoshaphat, we, we, we know where his faith was. Jehoshaphat was the one when he was surrounded, Second Chronicles chapter 20, surrounded on every side, three different, uh, three different armies out, out surrounding him. He said, Lord, you said, you said if we called on your name, you'd deliver us. You said, Lord, you are the one who brought us into this great land. Lord, you are the one. He began to talk about how great God was. And God said, you stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So Jehoshaphat, he's not, he's not hysterical like the king of Israel. At this time, the king of Israel wasn't walking where he needed to be walking with God. Jehoshaphat shouldn't have probably even been there. But Jehoshaphat said... 
Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So now I, I need God to teach me what to do. We're in a situation that we don't have an answer for. We're dealing with something specific. We're dealing with something that to the natural mind, there's no way. So we need, we need God to give us some wisdom. Is there, is there any prophet? Is there someone who can hear? We don't have to wait for an angel to deliver a word like Daniel did. We don't have to wait for someone who has, has uh, the moving of a gift of the Spirit in their life. We can hear from God in our spirit, but we need to be like Jehoshaphat, willing to say, I need to get along with God. I need to pray about this. I need, to, I need to get in a position and ask the right questions for God to be able to... Remember, we talked about that. I said, there are some times you've got to learn how to ask the right questions. Because God wants to tell you. God wants to protect you, but he's a gentleman. And he's not going to force his way on you. Wisdom is not going to force you to do anything. So God, he, he'll give you the open door, but you've got to walk through it. He'll give you that open door in conversation, asking you a question. You remember he said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what do you see? It wasn't because God didn't know what Jeremiah saw. He, he's trying to get Jeremiah to think about what he's wanting him to think about. He said to Ezekiel, he asked him a question. Hey, hey, Ezekiel. God did not ask Ezekiel, can these bones live? Because God was trying to figure out for himself, can these bones live? God needed Ezekiel to think about it. Can these bones live? Lord, you know. You know. And that's the answer. We so we want to go to the one who knows. We want to go to the one who knows. And God is the one who knows everything about when and how and where. He's the one who knows everything. Jehoshaphat said, we need somebody who can help us hear from God. And they said, Elisha is nearby. Well, go get Elisha. And they brought Elisha in. And in verse 16, as, as the worship, they begin to worship, and the Spirit of God comes upon Elisha and gives them an instruction. Make this, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. God, there's no water. We're so far away from water, we can't get to it before we would die. And you want us to get shovels and start digging? Excuse me, Elisha, y'all need playing of the song. Uh, Elisha needs some more music there or something because the minstrel was playing, right? Because Elisha must be missing it because he, he just told us, God told us to get a shovel. I, God, I don't have time for that. I need water. <laughs> God said, make this valley full. He didn't tell him to dig one ditch. He said, I want y'all to, to start, start digging ditches until this valley is full of ditches. Why? Because 
God's going to fill empty places. He's looking for, remember he said, go get as many vessels as you can borrow. Why? Because I'm going to fill them. God's going to bring water, but they've got to have an active obedience to dig the ditch. God's going to bring the supply, but there's got to be the active obedience of sowing the seed. God's going to bring the multiplication in a time of famine, but there needs to be the active obedience. Start digging. Start sowing. There's a time, there's a season for sowing. There's a time, there's a season for reaping. Be wise enough to recognize the time. Be wise enough to recognize God's teaching us there's the time. And if you'll follow my instruction, you'll get a supernatural result that you can't get any other way. If they had not obeyed God and got their shovels out and spent however many hours it took for them to dig ditches until that valley was full, if they had not done that, they would have all died of thirst in the wilderness. But God wrought a supernatural deliverance because they asked him, they acted on what he said, they dug the ditches. Verse 20, it came to pass in the morning when the meat offering was offered that behold, there came water by the way of Edom And the country was filled with water. (laughs) Praise God we dug yesterday. Since we dug the ditch, now we can go pull out. It's not a ditch anymore. It's a container. All that activity we did digging these ditches, thirsty. Thirsty people digging ditches. Digging ditches is not fun. It is hard work. And they were already thirsty, but they were digging their ditches in faith. They were making that place for God to fill. They were putting that action and that activity in obedience to an instruction that God gave them. They followed the step that God gave them. God said, you can't treat cumin the way you treat wheat. You can't, you can't deal with the, the fennel the same way you deal with the, the dill seed. You can't deal with this situation the same old way you've been dealing. You've got to follow my instruction. You've got to recognize the time. There's a season. There's a purpose. Dig the ditch. The water filled. Not only did it supply their thirst... But 21 says, when all the Moabites heard that the kings were come to fight against them, they gathered all that were able to put on armor and upward and stood in the border. And they rose early in the morning (laughs) and the sun shone upon the water. And the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. And they said, this is blood. The kings are surely slain and they've smitten one another. Now therefore Moab to the spoil. And when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and smote the Moabites so that they fled before them 
but they went forward smiting the Moabites, even in their own country, and they beat down the cities, and on every good piece of land cast every man his stone and filled it, and they stopped all the wells of water and felled up the good trees. I'm talking about victory. Not only did their act of obedience meet their immediate need, but it brought a victory that affected a financial prosperity in their lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember, that woman just went to the prophet because her sons were about to be taken to pay for their debt. The answer of God, the instruction of God didn't just meet the immediate need of rescuing her sons. It provided a, the, for the rest of her life. He said, go live on the rest. Live on the rest. Hallelujah. Follow the step. Tell your neighbor, follow the step. Follow the step. Glory to God. First Kings. First Kings 17. A familiar, a familiar example. Glory to God. 1 Kings 17. They were dealing with another famine. God had provided for Elijah at the brook. God commanded the ravens to feed him there. The ravens obeyed and brought a supply. There was a brook of water. There was food for him to eat. But in verse 8, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded. I have commanded. The word commanded in the, the Strong's Concordance says it means appointed and prepared. I have appointed and prepared I have commanded a widow woman there, a widow woman there to sustain you. God did not need the widow woman to sustain Elijah. The widow woman needed a place to sow because she was going to die. If she did not have ground to sow, in, supernatural ground to sow into. Hallelujah. So God gave her an instruction. Notice God didn't make her meal barrel full, He gave her an instruction. God didn't bring oil and meal to her. He brought ground to sow into to her. He said, you have a need, but I have a system. You need more than a miracle one time, because if I just make a miracle one time, you're going to still be hungry tomorrow. You need a system to work. You need a system to operate. Remember, God showed that farmer the system, how to sow it how to plow it, how to reap it. God gave the instruction because he's trying to get us into his system. He said, I've commanded her there 
to sustain you. You know, Jesus taught about this woman. He said, God didn't send Elijah to all these other widows. He sent to this one. Hallelujah. Jesus taught about. Why? Because she was going to act on the instruction. When he came to her and said in verse 10, I pray thee, fetch me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. As she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray you, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God lives, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And I've got a plan for that. I've already made a plan for my handful and my little. And it's the ending plan. It's the throw in the towel plan. It's, the all, it's not going to work for me anymore plan. We're giving up hope plan. Thank God that there was someone with an utterance. An instruction, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Elijah said to her, verse 13, fear not. Go and do as you have said, but make me a cake first. Make me a cake first. Don't give me your last cake. I, I didn't tell you give me your last cake. I'm telling you make me one first. Because I'm telling you, there's going to be more than enough for one. There's going to be enough for all of us to eat. You make me one first, which means you get one second. And your son gets one too. So You see, there's an instruction that's bringing a supply. There's an instruction that doesn't make sense in the, to the natural carnal mind, but it makes sense. When your spirit is hearing from God, God's bringing me an instruction to enter into a system. What is she doing? She's sowing. What is she doing? She's honoring God's man first, which is how we honor God. We honor his house. We honor his things. We honor his work. So she's saying, he's saying, put God first and you'll have plenty. Do you remember that not only did God supply that during that entire famine, she always had, had, had uh, supply in her barrel and in her oil? But do you remember that when her son died, she also got him raised? This widow's son died, and God raised her son from the dead. Why? Because she, she, there was seed. So you, it went beyond that immediate need. The supply of God that she connected to went beyond just that moment, just that, that situation. Hallelujah. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Medabosa eshtabala enamozerea. 11, 24. There is that scatters, 
and yet increases. Scatter is a, a sowing term. Scattering is talking about scattering seed. The sower sows the seed. The sower sows the seed. There is that scatters and yet increases. There is that which that withholds more than is meat and tends to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fully supplied. Well watered is how the Hebrew says that. Flourishing. The liberal soul shall be flourishing. Well watered. He that waters shall be watered himself. I want to see amplified. Uh, actually, I'm going to read this from the Message Bible. You can follow along in, in the, whatever version you're reading from. It says in the Message Bible, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. That's a kingdom law. Verse 24 and 25, this is not advice. This is kingdom principle. It works every time. Generosity Isaiah 32, 7. Isaiah 32, 7. I'm going to read it from New Living. But first I'll read it from King James. 32, 7. The instruments also of the churl are evil. He devises wicked devices to destroy the poor with lying words, even when the needy speak right. But the liberal devises liberal things, and by liberal things shall he stand. So that, makes, that doesn't have the same effect as what I'm about to read. Go, go ahead and show me Amplified of 7. Let me see if the Amplified, you're going to love the new living, just wait. The instruments and methods of the fraudulent and greedy for gain are evil. He devises wicked devices to ruin the poor and the lowly with lying words, even when the plea of the needy is just and right. Verse 8, but the noble... Open-hearted, liberal means generous. The noble, open-hearted, and generous man devises noble, open-hearted, generous things. And he stands for what is noble, open-hearted, and generous. New Living says, Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. They stand firm in their generosity. I haven't changed my I haven't changed my topic. I'm talking about a season. I'm talking about a time for sowing, a time for planting. And I'm not taking an offering. Offering's already done. I'm talking about a step that we're to follow. I'm talking about an instruction. How many of you have ever heard Pastor Caldwell tell the story of when they first started in ministry and they, were, they had no food in the house and God spoke to somebody who called his wife and said, take groceries over to the Caldwells. And he, he said, he stood there as they walked in with these bags of groceries, exactly what they needed. 
with his mouth open saying the, how God supplied their need. In his book, the, the Spirit of Giving, and if you have never read the book, The Spirit of Giving, your pastor is recommending to you, you need the, to read what he shares because he's learned something that through the wisdom that he has walked in with God, he shares in it something that I hadn't, haven't heard him tell very many other times. But that man who called his wife, in the latter years of his life, was not able to meet his needs financially, and he was falling short in being able to pay his bills. And Pastor Caldwell had the privilege of being able to monthly supply what his bills were lacking. He had received in a time that he needed to see. He had stepped out in faith to honor God and follow God's calling in ministry. And their family didn't have food. And somebody obeyed God and was generous. But then God had the opportunity to return that generosity to that person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to end in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians, and I will use just the Amplified on this one. 2 Corinthians, which some of the ministers here in our fellowship refer to as the house scripture, talks about the grace of giving. And here in 2 Corinthians 9, 5, Amplified. That is why I thought it necessary to urge these brethren to go to you before I do and make arrangements in advance for this bountiful promised gift of yours so that it may be ready, not as an extortion wrung out of you, but as a generous and willing gift. They had committed to give something. And he said, I want you to give it with the right attitude. And I want you to give it with the right heart. Because God instructed them. It was not their idea to do it. It was something God moved on them. He called it a grace. And he said, I want you to be skilled in this grace of giving. And so he said, I want it to be generous and willing. Verse 6, remember this. He who so sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, which was what they had determined to do, they were going to sow a generous offering. So this is an encouragement. He who sows generously with the motive, with the purpose, with the desire that blessings may come to someone, will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart. What are we purposing? I want to be generous. For God takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose 
heart is in his giving. And God is able and is a connector. It joins the motive of the giving to the result of the giving. It joins the attitude that the seed is given in, a faith attitude, an obedience attitude. I'm glad to do it. I'm joyful about it. It connects it to God's ability to make all blessing come back to you. God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need. Do you want that? I want that. And I'll tell you what, I want it for our church. We all want it for us individually, but as corporate, as a body, we want this for our church. We want our church to always, under all circumstances, whatever the need, we want our church to be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. That's what we want. So what do we have to do? We have to follow the step God gives us. We have to dig the ditch. We have to sow in the time of famine. We have to follow the step. I have said this in instruction of exactly how the Lord gave it to me to say it. For the purpose of bringing us to this place of rejoicing. Our Ezra project currently shows that we have $50,785. Earlier this year, we sowed 10000 of that to VTN as they were replacing their transmitter. In the office staff, they neglected to reflect that, but in actuality, what then is left is 40785 because we sowed that in obedience. And so it has not left our life. Where is it? It's, it's our harvest. The Lord has instructed us, and after Pastor and I have discussed with the board, the Lord has instructed us to take $30,000 and sow it to Jerry Savelle Ministries for their church building as they rebuild on their property at Heritage of Faith Christian Center. <laughs> Hallelujah. He did not have to ask us that. He's asking us that because he has something in mind for us. He's instructing us to take this step because of something he's going... We need the multiplication more than we need that 30000 to stay in our bank. We need it in the ground where God can multiply it. So we're presenting it for the corporate rejoicing. We're presenting it so that with our willing, generous heart, we can take this step knowing that if God is asking us to do this, it's because He's getting ready. Ooh, hallelujah! Hallelujah! 
he's getting ready. God's getting ready. God's getting ready. He's getting ready to move us into. Hallelujah. We need the multiplication of the seed. And I can't think of a better ground to sow into than to one who has personally come to this church time after time and ministered to this church family. He has brought to us supply of the Spirit. And as He builds His church ground and we participate in that, God is preparing us for our own place. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God's good to us. Yes, He is. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands one more time and just tell him how much we appreciate what he's asking us to do. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. There is a a lot of spiritual activity that has been just uh, going on. And, uh, you know, I've noticed over the years (laughs) when that begins, and I don't want to make light of it, but there's a... There's a thrust that's happening. Yes. yes. There's a thrust that's happening. And uh, there's another level, if we can say it that way. But it's, it's what I see in the Spirit is it's like it's transparent, and I can see us pushing against it. But it's just about to break, break open. Oh, hallelujah. So I believe God. I believe God. Hallelujah. Let's Hallelujah. Sow it. Let, let, let's sow it together right now. Hallelujah. Let's just release our faith for that. We're just going to sow this in the name of Jesus. As a body, Father, under the instruction from the head of the church, Lord, we take these finances, this seed that you instructed us to sow, and Lord, we sow it now into Heritage of Faith's building project. And Father, we thank you for a speedy, a speedy receiving of all the funds that they need. Lord, they're believing you for $6 million. And Lord, I thank you that we have a part in making that happen. Oh, hallelujah. And we sow into that ground and we receive back those facilities, those things that we need. Oh, in the name of Jesus. And it will come back in an abundant fashion. We're prompt to do it. Multiply. We're prompt to do it, Father. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we're so willing, Lord. Oh, Father, we sow it now. Thank you, Lord. We sow it in the into the ground of the kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God.